Thank you for listening to our Chat Canna broadcast. This podcast was originally created for our YouTube channel and is being rebroadcast here for your convenience. We'd like to thank the folks at Canna RHX for providing this Chat Canna podcast. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Chat Canna for another edition. It is the 10 of November. We are flying by. They are saying that it is 70 days until the inauguration, and uh, it's just going to zip right on by, just as I remember when we were 70 days before the election, and there was just great apprehension in the air. And now that seems to be uh, passing us by as we are still waiting for some uh, tight outcomes in some states, but I think it's pretty well uh, decided what how that is going to go. Well, what a day today. Veronica is off. She is speaking to a women's group down in Fargo, and we wish her well as she makes her presentation down there. Uh, she is a vibrant and uh, uh, fun to watch and listen to and get information from speaker. So I know that's going to go really well down in Fargo, although I'm surprised that you know, a bunch of ladies are coming together uh, with what's going on in the world right now. Uh, Grand Forks talking about a mandatory mask law and with punishment. And that's, of course, you know, telling you you have to wear one. And then, yeah, you know, if you don't, you're just a bad person. But now they're talking about actually putting a punishment in place for it. That is going to be an interesting thing. But it is very, very serious where we are right now like it or not. Um, they are, you know, juggling hospital beds and uh, it's just big, big numbers. I'm very, very sequestered here at the farm. I literally see no one. A retired friend uh, came by the other day. He and his wife also very sequestered. Um, I, we redid a computer for him, but, you know, we uh, sat and chatted for a few minutes about seven feet apart. It was great to see somebody and have a physical contact. But other than that, uh, it's just the three of us here at the farm, and even we don't get together uh, very much, and certainly no close contact at all. Uh, it will be nice to be able to hug people again uh, when this is all over. So wherever you are, at the very minimum, get on the phone and make contact with people and share your emotions, and feeling with them. It is so important to do this. I can tell you as the recipient how wonderful it feels when I just hear from someone and they say, hey, I've been thinking about you and uh, I just wanted to get together and say hi for just a couple of minutes. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute catch-up call or anything, just that little contact that says, hey, I'm thinking about you. We got to keep doing this. And even though that's not the focus of our show, I'm pushing it because I hope that just to kick one person to call someone else makes it all worthwhile. Well, our shows this week are kind of reversed. Uh, today would uh, normally be the real long format show, uh, but that kind of happened yesterday. Uh, Veronica and I got on a tear about a whole lot of things hemp, and that was really wonderful. Uh, and so today uh, we had a guest scheduled. And unfortunately, through their scheduling and getting drawn into all sorts of things in the political agenda, uh, they were unable to be with us. And so I have for you what I found uh, overwhelming and some information that I want to share with you. I uh, want to remind you on Thursday of this week, 
uh, hope that you will put it on your calendars. Uh, that you don't have to attend live, but certainly valuable, valuable hour we will spend together. Um, she does happen to be my cousin's daughter, but that's not why she's on the show. Her name is Shauna Reitmeyer, and she is the head of the Mental Health Center in Crookston, Minnesota, uh, a very large mental health regional kind of center, and uh, very proud of her. Uh, she has worked hard through her life and uh, moved into this position some years ago. But we are going to talk about agriculture and mental health for farmers. And all people in agriculture, actually, uh, not just limited to farmers, but we are going to talk about farmers and farm families and what's going on out there and uh, how to support each other and, uh, you know, some things that you might be surprised about. Because uh, although it's not necessarily tough times in money, um, there are other painful things that come along. And farmers are one of those kinds of people that generally don't reach out for help until it's too late or an event happens or something like that. And sometimes they don't even know that there's places that they can go and just talk to somebody or share the fact that other people have these same kind of uh, fears, trials, tribulations, and concerns, and that there's a place to go and just talk them through a little bit and realize that you're not alone in the world uh, having these concerns. Uh, so that's on Thursday, and I'm really excited about it. We made the plan to have this um, like weeks ago because she is scheduled tightly. And so um, it's coming up on Thursday. I am so much looking forward to it. Uh, set your clock, set your dials, whatever it is that you do. Of course, the beautiful thing about the internet is you don't have to be at the show at the moment anymore. That was the old days in radio. You know, you either listened to it or it was gone. Um, now uh, it will be on the internet for you to listen to at your convenience at three o'clock in the morning uh, on a Friday, if you want, or a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday. So that is so wonderful. I'll tell you though, for us that are on this sides of the camera, in this sides of the microphone, it is a learning experience because we can see the numbers of who's watching us. And, you know, uh, when I worked at KNOX with Jim Bowman, uh, due to the surveying that was taken two or three times a year, we always knew that there was X number of thousands of people. And with KNOX, of course, being the regional station around here, it was a big number of thousands of people. And you kind of had that in your mind. And when I worked at other stations on my little network uh, around Minnesota and North Dakota. Um, you just kind of knew that there was a population out there. And like down in Jackson, Minnesota, I, I mean, because I would go down every year at least uh, for the Jackson County Fair. And, you know, we would get together. We would have lunch with some people. One group of people threw me uh, a luncheon, a barbecue luncheon every year. And they had a table that went 20 feet. It went through a person's kitchen and out into their living room. And this was a Bohemian group of people. They had a Bohemian shared ancestry. And there was 20 people around that table and several of them have passed on now. And it was so wonderful. So in your mind, you knew that on any given morning when you were doing that show, there was a significant number of those folks that were listening. And so you felt like you were talking to them. Now, just like the Johnny Carson show that was recorded at four o'clock every afternoon, 
uh, and I had the great joy of being in the audience several times, but you are talking to a camera, it is being recorded, and you know that folks are going to be joining you uh, with the Johnny Carson show, of course, everyone together at 1030 at night, central time. But now with the advent of the internet and the way that we broadcast now, uh, people are watching us at any given time on any given media, um, even on our podcasts where you can be driving down the road in your car and listening to our show. So it is a great change in the structure and the mindset of how uh, we are reaching out to our listeners, of which we thank you uh, very much for listening for a few minutes or sometimes a few hours. It is just so wonderful. Uh, want to remind you, if you're looking for something else, I know I'm veering off here today, but if you're looking for something else, I do a, a Sunday show called Live from London. And it is so much fun. This show has taken off. Uh, we have had as many as 14,000 listeners in the follow-up time uh, each week, and we are just having so much fun. Uh, it's a gentleman from England, a gentleman from Virginia, and myself, and guests that come in. And it's a crazy time. We are talking about travel. Of course, with travel mostly shut down, we are yearning about travel, and it is a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, so uh, look for the cruise amigos. The Cruz Amigos, if you are uh, on Facebook, and that will give you the link so you can watch us on YouTube, and uh, love to have you along uh, for a few minutes or the whole hour, and Sunday's going to be a particular fun and crazy show, So, and some of our shows back have been crazy, uh, just beyond crazy. We have a good time. That's enough of that. Hemp is the word of the day. Hemp is always the word of the day on Chat Canna, and today... Um, I have gathered together, thanks to the website, hempbasics.com, hempbasics.com. They have gathered together uh, facts and figures that were astounding to me. And one of the major facts and figures that was astounding to me is that, did you know that there is one crop in the United States that uses 50% of the pesticides and herbicides that are applied to our fields? I did not know that. And I want to just give you a second to think in your mind what that crop is. One crop, United States, 50% of the pesticides and herbicides that are applied. This is like Jeopardy, of which we sadly said goodbye to Alex Trebek this week. Think of that clock and that music running. And here we go. On an annual basis, an acre of hemp and this is industrial hemp. This is hemp that's planted like grass, where they are one single, like behind me here, one single shoot with a head on the top, not the Christmas tree kind that makes CBD, will produce as much fiber as two to three acres of cotton. Hemp fiber is stronger and softer at the same time, stronger and softer than cotton, um, here they're claiming it lasts twice as long as cotton. There are other claims three and four times as long. You would have to decide that. And it does not mildew. What an asset that is when you're traveling in any kind of wet, humid conditions, right? You're thinking of, well, in the steamy jungle. But, you know, in here in America, if you're not in the, the desert southwest, there's lots of places where we are traveling 
or living in conditions that are humid and mildewy some parts of the year. And of course, what takes twice as much pesticide and herbicide? That is the cotton plant. That is how they wipe out everything in the field except for cotton. So think about it. Hemp is frost tolerant. Only moderate amounts of water compared to cotton. Grows in all 50 states and does not use herbicides and pesticides. And really, only a moderate amount of fertilizer compared to the sea crop. Wow. 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 That's just to make clothing. Now talk about paper. One acre of hemp, two to four acres of trees. Tissue paper, cardboard, any type of paper product can be made from hemp. Why is it not happening in the United States right now? Because the flow, the stream, the path from hemp field to the consumer's hands is not there right now. No different than if you're an advocate of electric cars, you know, that path isn't made yet. Tesla has changed the world. And uh, reading articles yesterday, General Motors, however, might be the company that makes the actual inroads in putting a chicken in every pot, a car in every garage, an electric car in most people's hands, probably is going to be General Motors. Uh, not Tesla. Tesla is that high-end, I want the self-driving, willing to pay a lot of money for it, Kai. General Motors is the, we can see we're over owning this car for six years. We'll take the electric car. The little bit of not being able to go long, long, long trips and then 10 seconds, or not 10 seconds, 10 minutes to fill your gas tank and keep going is the trade-off to having quiet, no carbon footprint, da-da-da-da-da. Don't want to get into the politics of that. That's just going to be the pitch here as the years go by. And General Motors is going to be the company to do that, probably. Hemp paper, let's talk about that. Of course, you know about the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights being written on hemp paper. I don't know that they did that uh, so much on purpose, except that's what they had available to write good quality stuff on at the time. But hemp paper does last hundreds of years without degrading. Uh, it can be recycled much more than tree-based paper less toxic chemicals to make it, and it uh, the manufacturing process uh, just is easier, but it is a unique and separate process that we just got to go into business. Now, how about fiberboard? Fiberboard, of course, used um, in packaging, uh, heavy packaging, and it's lighter than wood. Usually, you know, you have to trade off something. You give away strength or you give away weight. Hemp is stronger and lighter. If we substituted hemp fiberboard for timber, we could save trees for important things. And understand here, this is not about, you know, we're just wiping out the timber industry. Timber industry is short. We need those trees for other good things. Now let's move into plastics. And we talked a little bit about that. A lot of hemp is headed toward plastic in Europe, Eastern Europe. And it's headed toward plastic in cars. 
because they've got the stream going. They've got people that are taking it, doing the processing, doing the molding, and have got contracts to put this in some of the European car manufacturers' cars. And that's what we need. We need somebody with the money or the investment to do the research, to start making the products, and then going to the car manufacturer and say, hey, we can turn this out. We can make this for you. And then you, of course, can, and I, I keep doing the mini-me thing, you can advertise that this car has a hemp dashboard or whatever. Um, don't say that's impossible. Kirkston, Minnesota has an aluminum foundry in it that makes uh, parts for motors that go into major um, brands that you know of. They cast in aluminum motors and different parts of transmission cases. I'm not sure what they're doing today, but that's what that historically they've been doing. And I, I know that they are doing that. And they always have the we are hiring sign out on the street. So business is good. There's a whole lot of things that can be done here. We need to put groups of investors together willing to do the startup to make this work. Plastics, no petroleum-based. Also great if there should be an accident, if there should be a fire, it doesn't burn like a petroleum product. You would never want to think about that generally, right? But if it should happen, I'd rather have that hemp material around me than oil-based stuff. It takes years for a tree to grow until it can be harvested for paper or, or wood. I think the earliest paper trees, like for toilet paper and stuff, it's about seven years. Hemp is less than 120 days, and you have a crop. If you're farming the land now, you can farm hemp on it. That's pretty much the rule. Uh, it can't be too arid. It can't be too swampy. But just about everywhere in between that is hempable. Just about everywhere in between. Harvesting hemp rather than trees eliminates erosion due to logging, reduces topsoil loss, water pollution that's caused by soil runoff. So it kind of brings in all the partners that we can do. Now let's move to the seeds that are in hemp. And those seeds more come off of these kind of hemp plants that you see behind me rather than the ones that are planted for CBD. A CBD farmer wants to eliminate seeds. He wants that plant to keep putting out flowering material because it's that flower. I got to bring my bud samples over here. It's that flower that puts out the little oozing pustules that are filled with the oil that contains the CBD, the CBN, all of the different CBs and the different chemicals that are wanted in the pharmaceutical side of things. Behind me, those can be full, right, right here. I, I'm backwards on my hands. Those can be full of seeds. Coming out of there can be just a, a almost not a handful, but a, a good portion of seeds out of one of those heads. Hemp seeds contain a protein that is more nutritious and more economical to produce than soybeans. Hemp seeds are not intoxicating. The hemp seed protein can be used to produce virtually any product that you can make from a soybean. You could make hemp tofu. 
You can make veggie burgers, butter, cheese, salad oil, ice cream, milk. The list goes on and on. Hemp seed can be ground up into a flour that can be used to produce baked goods, pasta, cookies, bread. The list goes on and on. From that seed, now we're talking squeezing the seed to get the oil, not the CBD oil that we squeeze out of the flowers. Hemp seed oil can be used to produce non-toxic diesel fuel, paint, varnish, detergent, ink, lubricating oil. Have I caught your attention yet? Hemp seed, the seeds in the plants behind me, can account for up to half the weight of that plant. So it's a viable source for these products that I'm talking about. Now let's move to hemp versus corn. Just as corn can be converted into a clean-burning ethanol fuel, so can hemp, but hemp produces more biomass than any other plant. That includes corn. You can get more biomass off of a hemp plant properly raised than you can from corn. They grow in a wider range of climates. They grow in a wider range of locations. And it has a great potential to move into ethanol. We, again, we just need a little investment. We need to plant some hemp and we need to bring it in and start seeing how much of this plant do we use? How do we, we know that we can make ethanol uh, from the top, but how do we turn it into ethanol and start doing the calculations? And of course, you know that hemp grows wild here. That's always been the uh, uh, phrases as we were children, ditch weed. Uh, they planted it by the thousands of acres during the wars because they needed the rope for it. And it still makes sizal rope in many, many parts of the world because the, you can peel that long, long, long bark or silk as I call it and those are the strands that can get wrapped together and you know they pull ships with it that's how strong it is the old story President George Washington President Thomas Jefferson grew hemp they use products made from hemp they praise the hemp plant in some of their writings so you know how much farther back do we have to go so that has kind of been a roundup of this. Again, we thank the website hempbasics.com uh, for putting this all together, gathered from sources all around uh, uh, historically, the library and the internet. No other natural resources do offer what this one product does. Paper, textiles, building material, food, medicine, paint, detergent, varnish, oil, ink, fuel. Uh, it's so exciting. I am proud to be in this industry. Um, I'm not just doing these shows. We are hemp farmers. We are very small. We are in research and development. Uh, this year, we, other than a couple samples we took off, we literally killed all of our product. Uh, next year, we will be planting some acreage. Uh, it's an exciting time. If you are interested in getting in the hemp business, feel free to give us a call. Um, you, uh, let me get the right uh, email up here. Um, let's see if we get that down there. And uh, I have way too many choices here. Um, but da, 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 da. there's Veronica's. I must be close here. Here, it's forever on there. John at Canna, rhx.com. We are happy to advise you, uh, consult with you, um, just uh, talk with you, 
and let you know our experiences. If there's any way that we can become advisors to you, we're happy to do that. But, you know, just call us. Let's talk. That is Chat Canna for today. As you can see, I can take a deep breath and talk forever. We are happy to have you as guests on our show. We would be happy to have you as guests to both of our farming operations, show you around, and talk to you about hemp. In the meantime, enjoy this November day, and we will